Well, good evening, Family Church. Family Church, Waterlooville, guests, visitors, hello. Good to be back. Can't believe it's Sunday night again. Where is the time going? Can't believe it's 8 p.m. on Sunday night. <clears throat> My word, life is flying by. Sandy's giving me the thumbs up. We're, we're online. Good to go. Good stuff. Praise God. Let's go. All right. So, if you've been with us, journeying with us for the last few weeks, um, we were looking at um, a series called The Believer's Toolbox, and we were unpacking um, the gifts of the Holy Spirit as in 1 Corinthians 12. I hope you enjoyed the series. We've pretty much come to an end of that series for now. <clears throat> you know, we always want to be going through the Word of God and refreshing ourselves from it, and, and I hope it was of value to you. It, it certainly was to us. Just to remember what God has given us, the, the, the gifts that, that, and, and, and the, the, the thought that's behind the gifts, you know, that, that, that He loves us and cares for us. The, the, that is the purpose for the gifts, that, that, that we can be healed, that, that, that uh, the people that don't know Him can, can um, have, a, have a mighty miracle or witness that would, that would uh, cause them to believe, that would enable them to believe. You know, it's all for the common good. That is the heart of God. God is love and he's always reaching out to us. So I hope it was a benefit to you. We sure enjoyed doing it. Um, but tonight we're going to start with um, a new like, little mini-series, if you will, just for the next few weeks. So as we start coming out of lockdown now, you know, life is starting to, to come back up again, isn't it? You hit the roads and there's just so many people out there again suddenly. I don't know if I like it that much, to be honest. <laughs> I quite liked it when there was less people about. But hey-ho. Um, but life is, is coming back out again. Life is, life is kicking up again. And um, we, want to, we want to make sure that when we get back out there, we are going to hit the ground running. And so tonight, we're going to start a little series on, on taking our place in the race of life. Taking our place. And if you would open... In your Bibles with me to the book of Hebrews, chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Hebrews 12, verses 1 and 2. And I'll read it to you <clears throat> from the New King James. <clears throat> Pardon me. It says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Church, there is a race that is set before us. And Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews tells us that we are to run the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus. There is a place in the race of life that is, that is mapped out specifically for you, for you, child of God. You know, you're not alive today and, and breathing fresh air just by accident. You're alive today for, for such a time as this. God knows you. He knows your postcode. He knows every hair in your head, knows everything about you. And your life is on purpose and your life counts. And how you live your, count, how you live your life matters. It does matter. Your life counts. There's a place in the race of life for you to run. 
To run and to finish well, though, depends on us being fueled, first of all, and powered by the right fuel. We need to be powered by the right fuel, and we need to have the right focus. Your motivation is the fuel that you need. The motor, your motivation is your fuel. And keeping your eyes on Jesus is the focus that you need to have. We need to keep our eyes on Jesus, and, and our motivation needs to be right. Whew, I've just jumped in there and said a whole lot of things. So I'll have a sip of water while you just have a think about that one second. Right. So, if you're older than the age of five, you will know that when Jesus said, in this world you will have tribulations, that he was telling the truth, right? Life is full of trials, the unexpected turns, <laughs> tests and tribulations. Now, Trials and, trials and temptations, they, they come into our life to, to wound us, to, to inject mistrust, to, to separate us from God. These things just happen. Trials happen. They, they're brought to, to, to destroy our faith, to separate us from God. And your motivation, in order to finish well, your motivation is going to be more important than your determination. Your motivation is more important than your determination. You see, the Bible says that as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. We will do what we do because, of, because we are who we are. As we think, we will do. What motivates us from the inside is what's going to propel us and fuel us into life. That is going to be of far more importance than, than any amount of determination that we can, that we can muster up. So, I want to start by looking at that, that fuel of motivation. And, and I want to look at it from the perspective of relationship. Our relationship with God. In order to run our race well with God and, and, and for God, we need to have a good relationship with God. So, I want to start by looking at the fact of, at the, at the aspect of whether we see ourselves as, as sons and heirs of the kingdom or whether we see ourselves as orphans and, and, and slaves of the kingdom. Now, John chapter 14, and if you want to turn there in your Bibles, we're going to be reading quite a bit from John 14. So, John 14, verse 15, down to verse 18, says, Jesus speaking, If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Pardon me. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. You know, Jesus has indeed physically left. He, he has completed his earthly mission and he is seated enthroned at the right hand of the, of the majesty on high. Physically, we are alone as far as our relationship with God is concerned. Physically, we are alone. But the Christian life is, 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 is a journey, it's a pilgrimage, isn't it? It's a pilgrimage. It's, it's, it's a journey from, from separation to reconciliation with God in the first place. From separation from God to being reconciled to Him. 
And then it goes from this isolation where we feel physically alone, although, although reconciled to God, but physically we're alone. And we, we go from this place of being isolated to recognizing that, that God is indeed with us and, and in us and, and leading us, helping us to, to, to take our place, to find our place in, in the body, to take our place. You see, the Christian life is, 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 is a relationship. It's supposed to be a relationship where God has called us into a relationship with himself, adopted us, brought us into his family, given us an inheritance with all the saints. Trials that come through life, which are, as we said, unavoidable. Trials do come and they will seek to, to, to produce in us a, a, an orphan spirit, a, a feelings of where we've been abandoned feelings that we've been rejected, feelings that we're isolated, rejected by God, creating in us a, a feeling of an, of an orphan spirit. You know, there's a difference between trials and tests. Trials are to break us, to destroy us. God, God on the other hand, tests us. God says he tests the hearts. You know, your kids go to school and they learn things. And at the end of the year, they, they write a test to ensure that they're to, to find out what they have learned through the year to see if they can be promoted. God tests us so that he can promote us. But trials come into our lives to stop us, to isolate us. And we are all susceptible to that. And we all have to deal with disappointments, with wounds, with the rejection that can, that can cripple our faith, that can make us feel and get kind of this orphan spirit. And we can't afford that. We can't afford to live life from this from this uh, place of, of, of feeling separated from God as, as just as a, a servant or an orphan. You know, orphans aren't any different to, to slaves in, in, a, in a house. You know, both, both will work in a house, but, but they function from a, from a position of, of duty, a position of, of obligation, of necessity to please. You know, we often say that, that saying, you know, we, people do the, the work of the Lord. And miss the Lord of the work. So busy doing, doing, doing. When God has called us to just to be. <laughs> we call human beings, not human doings. And, and we can so often get caught up in just doing things and missing God. I'll never forget a time. Uh, it was a number of years ago. We were, uh, before we came, moved down to this part of this world. Before we got to the promised land down here. Uh, we were serving in another, in another man's uh, vineyard. We in another in another field. And um, we got to church one morning. To help, I think we were on the on the setup team or something, and um, as we got into got into church, we walked up the stairs, and another brother walked down past us, and we said good morning, and he grumbled something of the fact that he's been up for three hours already, and we said we laughed, we said you know what what's it? Oh, he's been up for three hours. He's been serving the Lord for three hours already this morning. So we laughed at him. We thought, oh, funny, you mean serving the Lord for three hours? And there was just like this awkward tension in the air you know it was like he got mad he was a little bit miffed with us you know yes i've been serving the lord for three hours this morning and i thought my word i, I thought you were a son i didn't know you were an orphan i didn't know you were a servant in the house i always thought you were a son of god you see i don't i wasn't i wasn't judging him and seeing myself as morally superior to him but but the fruit of his lips were telling me that what he was doing was out of a sense of, of duty, it was out of a sense of obligation, and he was a little bit miffed with the fact that he'd already been working for three hours. There was some bitterness coming out of his mouth. That is not the kind of fuel that we need to, to enable us to, to, to work, to, to run our race, and to finish our race well. 
You know, I think of the, the it just reminded me of that story of the prodigal and not so much the prodigal son, but you know, you, you remember the guy that, that said to his father, give me my portion of the inheritance and he, and he took all his hers and he went away and, and he blew it all on wild living. And, um, but praise God, he came to his senses and the father received him back and threw a party for him and killed the fatted calf and, and in the process of, 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 of throwing that party f for him, um, the, the father goes out and he finds the older brother. The older brother isn't in the party. He's not, he's not joining in the feast. He says, why aren't you coming in? Your, your brother was lost and now he's found. And the older brother, just, he's, just, he's just this bitterness comes out of his mouth. And, he, and he, he's, he's, just, he's judgmental towards his brother. Instead of being, instead of rejoicing that his brother who was lost and is now found, he's just saying, "You go and squander all, you know, on this, on, on this younger son who who never stayed here, but I was here all these years, and and I have been serving you faithfully, and you never even gave me a, a calf to go and share with my friends." And and there's just this judgment towards his brother and bitterness towards his father. You see, he had met all his obligations, but he wasn't a son in the house. He was, he was no different to a servant in the house. He was fulfilling his duty, but it wasn't based on a relationship of love with the Father. You know, the Bible says that those who are willing and obedient will enjoy the good of the land. But you know what? You can't force yourself to be willing. <laughs> you can't force yourself to be willing. We can pray, Lord, Help me be willing. I'm willing to be willing, but you cannot force yourself to be willing. It has to come from a motivation. You, you have the fuel that, that will enable you to be willing has got to be the right motivation. It's got to be the right relationship with your heavenly father. It can't be that you see yourself as, a, as an orphan, that you're a servant, just a slave to him. You know, I think of the last example of, on, in this line of the parable of the talents. You know, Jesus told that, that parable that um, he had the, three, the, man, the master had three servants and um, he gave to each of them different amounts of, of, of money, talents they were called in the Bible. And um, he said, when I, you know, when I return, you can give me back the money with what, and, and the interest that you've accumulated from it. And he went in his way and he came back. And when he returned, you know the story, two of the, the, two of the servants, they returned, they said, Master, here's the money that, that you, you, you lent me, and here's the, the, the profit I've made of it. And both of them, and the, 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 um, the master said, well done, my good and faithful servants, you know, enter into the joy of your master. And, and, um, but the third servant, he, he, he takes the talent, and he returns it to the master. He says, here is the talent that you gave me, the one talent you gave me. He said, I knew that you were a, a hard taskmaster, so, so I hid it. I hid your talent in the ground. I didn't put it to use. I hid it in case I should lose it. So, so here is yours. Take what is yours. And the Bible says that the, that the master was not pleased, not best pleased with him. And he said, you, you worthless, you worthless servant. And he said to the others, take, take what he's got. Even what, he even what he thinks he has will be taken from him. Give it to those who have. You see, this guy, he didn't have the relationship with the master. He's just saw the master as, a, as some hard, mean guy. But in fact, it turns out that the master was in fact very generous. He, he was giving to those who had, he said, give them more. He said, enter into the joy, enter into my joy. 
He was a generous man, but the, the, the servant didn't know him. And so he tried to preserve what he had. And in trying to preserve what he had, he lost everything. He didn't entrust anything to the master. He didn't trust the master with anything. And you know, church, God has given us talents. Whatever those talents might be, we have got different talents. Sandy was down um, at Heaven this morning where they were, um, children's church got together again for the first time in how many months? Uh, yeah, for too long. And um, she, was, she was raving about it when she got back, saying, you know, there must have been at least 20 odd people down there doing setup, you know, helping, doing the kids, making sure the kids were all looked after. And, and what a buzz it was just seeing all these people doing playing their part you know each one bringing their gift their bit of whether it was turning that kettle on to make tea for somebody or or you know putting up chairs or looking after the kids but each one doing something church you know god has given us all of us gifts and abilities and we've got to allow him to 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 stretch us in them we've got we've got to we've got to put them to use don't just don't just bury them don't just hide our talents you know do you think this is comfortable for us do you think any of us knew a year ago that we were going to have to be staring into a camera and recording a message i'd far rather be looking at your happy faces smiling and encouraging me rather than staring into a camera but you know what god says come on don't hold back stretch forth don't don't hold back let me let me stretch you let me show you new things you know what there's more in you than you realize but you've got to put it to work you've got to put it to work we are sons and heirs of the kingdom we are not orphans we are not slaves you know those orphans and slaves their motivation is a sense of duty a sense of obligation but a son is motivated by love we are motivated by love, knowing that the Father loves and accepts us, that gives us a trust and a confidence with Him. And that is, becomes our motivation, our fuel. And we want to build the Father's house, not out of duty, but like David said. You remember David? He said, he said, I was glad when they said, let us go up to the house of the Lord. Let us go up to the house of the Lord. Man, I want to get back up to the house of the Lord. David was glad. I am glad. I'm going to be glad when we can get back up. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than dwell in the tents of wickedness. Come on, there is joy there. There, there is, to get back into the Father's presence, to get around his people. Come on, I want to do this because I'm loved by God, I'm accepted by God. Not because I'm perfect, but in spite of me, but because he is perfect. And you know, come on church, let's get our focus right. Let's get our focus right. Romans 8.14, 8.15 rather. Now keep your finger in John 14. Keep your finger in John 14, but turn to Romans 8.15. And Romans 8.15 to 17 says thus, For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption, by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and of children and heirs, Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. Come on. You are not a servant. You are not an orphan. You are a child of God. The Spirit of God bears witness with our spirit that we are children. We are heirs, co-heirs with Christ. Accepted in the beloved. I love what John says. He says in 1 John, he says that, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. We are children of 
God. We are children of God. And you know what? How we live our life matters. How we live our lives matters. Run the race, child of God. Run the race that is set before you, looking unto Jesus. So in order to finish your race well, you're going to have to have the right fuel. That's your motivation. You need the right fuel, the right motivation. Seeing yourself as a son, as a daughter, loved, pardon me, loved of God. And you need the right focus, keeping your eyes on Jesus. So let's look at, at running our race, looking unto Jesus. And if you still got your finger there in John 14, um, if we just look, or we're going back a bit, I think we're going forward a bit to verse 19, John 14, 19. Down to 20. John 14, 19 and 20. Jesus speaking, a little, while, a little while longer and the world will see me no more. But you will see me. Because I live, you will live also. At that day you will know that I am my Father and you in me and I in you. Wow! Isn't that incredible? At that day you will know that I am in the Father you and me and I in you. Hey, come on, church. The world won't see me anymore, but you, you and I can see Jesus. One of my favorite scriptures in the Bible is, is uh, when it comes to looking at Jesus has, has, has got to be John 10, 22. Don't go there. You can have a look at it later if you, if you want to. But in John 10, 22 and 23, very short passage and it says I'll read it to you and it says now it was the feast of dedication in Jerusalem and it was winter and Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's colonnade I love it it was the feast of dedication in Jerusalem and it was winter and Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's colonnade There is something about this word, something about the scripture that, I don't know, I, I, don't, I, I, I don't know if I can articulate it quite clearly enough what I feel, but there's this, this picture of Jesus sharing our humanity. He's, it's, it's the, the one instance he's sharing, he, it's, it's winter and he's walking in Solomon's porch and, 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 um, and you can imagine how cold it would have been then in Jerusalem and he wouldn't have been dressed with much more than a robe and, and sandals or whatever they wore on their feet and it would have been cold and you can imagine him sharing in our humanity from that perspective and I, and I just, I can picture Jesus walking up and down through Solomon's porch and, and just praying quietly to himself and just checking on the inside Oh, Father, what do you want me to say? Spirit, what do you want me to say? What do you want me to do? Do you want me to heal somebody? What do we, you know, just getting in tune with the Spirit. And, and the fact that it was the, the feast of dedication and it was winter. And it, it, it just gives me this picture of the, the, the winter, the bleakness and the cold of winter. And, and Jesus was dedicating himself. He was dedicating his life to go and be the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. He was dedicating his life to, to be that Lamb that would be slain, that wouldn't open its mouth, but would be slain for you and I. He was dedicating himself at this time of winter. And at the same time, sharing in our humanity. You know, Romans 5.8 says that God demonstrates his love toward us and that while we're still sinners, Christ died for us. And it's just this picture of God, of Jesus in his humanity, Jesus, the, the Lamb of God, walking 
on earth in, 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 in the body of a, of a human, of one of us, as one of us, laid aside as deity, walking as one of us, sharing our humanity to, to purchase our salvation, to, 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 sancti to live a sanctified, a pure and a holy life, to lay it down to, through that terrible cross so that we could be saved. What a picture of the Lamb of God, of Jesus, the Lamb of God. But you know, Jesus isn't just the Lamb of God. He's also the Lion of the tribe of Judah. Jesus isn't just the Lamb, but He is also the resurrected Christ. And when we look to Jesus, we want to, we want to see Him both as, as the Lamb of God, the, 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 the one who shares in our humanity, or who shared in our humanity, who, who understands what we're going through. Um, but we also want to see Him as our, our resurrected King, the one who's seated at the right hand of the Father, to whom all authority, all power, belongs and I love in Revelation the book of Revelation chapter 1 and verse 12 it's worth turning there Revelation 1 12 uh, to 18 and um, John John the beloved you know John he, he always referred to himself in his gospel as as the one whom Jesus loved you know it's like he's writing the gospel right John's writing this this letter and he says the one whom Jesus loved talking about himself like I'm his favorite all the time but nevertheless he is one of Jesus's closest he's one of the, the inner three Peter James and John they were always with Jesus and John he's he, he's exiled on the Isle of Patmos and um, there he has this this amazing um, revelation of Jesus and the book of Revelation is, is the revelation of Jesus not the revelation of the end times but the revelation of Jesus and in chapter 1 verse 12 I just want to just read this out because this paints such a picture you know we want to see Jesus we want to be looking unto Jesus so how do we see him we see him as as the lamb yes we do see him as a lamb who shed in our humanity but we see him as a resurrected king and here we see John and he says in verse 12 then I turned to see the voice that spoke with me and having turned I saw seven golden lampstands and in the midst of the seven lampstands one like the son of man clothed with a garment down to the feet and girded about the chest with a golden band his head and hair were white like wool as white as snow and his eyes like a flame of fire <laughs> his feet were like fine brass as if refined in a furnace and his voice as the sound of many waters come on this is describing jesus this is describing jesus that 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 was crucified for us the lamb of god that was slain this is him now in his resurrected state and in his right hand are seven stars and out of his mouth in a sharp two-edged sword and his countenance church was like a sun shining in its strength and when i saw him now this is john this is the point i'm trying to make john was his closest friend on earth and john when he sees him i fell at his feet as dead but he laid his right hand on me saying don't be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Hallelujah. Come on, church. You know what? Jesus is the Lamb of God who was slain before the foundation of the earth. But he is the resurrected King. We can run our race looking unto Jesus, knowing that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. That he, like Ephesians says, he can do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or imagine according to the power that works in you, church, in you, child of God. Why? Where does he dwell? He says, in that day you will know that I am in the Father and you and me and I in you. You have got God on the inside of you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Run your race looking unto Jesus. Looking unto Jesus. So, 
We're going to run our race with the right motivation. We're going to run our race looking to Jesus. And we're going to run our race looking unto Jesus with the help of the helper. How are we doing for time? We're okay. Just. With the help of the helper. If we go back a few verses in John 14. To John 14 verse 16. 15 rather. Verse 15. John 14, 15. Jesus speaking. If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever, the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. The world can't see him. John fourteen nineteen. he says, The world won't see me any longer. But you will see me because I live, you will live. And now in verse 16, I know we're jumping backwards, but it's just the way that works better to try and explain it. In verse 19, he said, the world won't see me, but you will see me. And in verse 16, he said, the, my spirit, my, the, the, the spirit of the Father. You know what? If you've seen, Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So if you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father. If you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Spirit. He's another spirit. He's another like me. But he says the world can't see him. But you can. And he says you can. But there, there is a, there is a, this is one of those conditional promises. You know, um, we can see God. We are those who love God. He said in verse 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. Now he's not saying you must keep my commandments. What he's saying is if you love me, you will keep my commandments. How do we judge that we love God? We keep his commandments. We, we, we want to be a blessing to him. We're not doing it out of sense of obligation and duty. But we, we, we do his word because we love him. We want to be in his house. We want to be near him doing his word, doing his ways. And so he says, if you love me, keep my commandments. It's one of those conditional promises. And I will give you the Holy Spirit. You see... God's desire is that all men should be reconciled to himself. That, that's his desire, to reconcile all men to himself. But intimacy is reserved for those who love him. God isn't pouring out his spirit on those who, who hate him, who use his word as a curse word, his, his name as a curse word. He, he, he has mercy on them and he continues to reach out to them to, to save them. But there's no intimacy with them. Intimacy is reserved for those who love him. And so we love God, don't we? We love God. And therefore, he pours out his spirit on us. And the spirit, that this helper, he's called the parakletos. One, it means one called alongside. And just preparing this, I just thought, the humility of God, the humility of God, I, I don't know how else to say it, that he would call himself a helper. He's got a capital H, a helper. One called alongside. That God would come alongside you and I and be our helper. How, how, how humble is God? How loving? How kind? How good? You know, the word also means that paracletos means an advocate. Advocate, one who represents you in legal matters. A, it means a mediator, an intercessor, a helper, a comforter, a comforter. That is who the spirit of Jesus is. That's who the spirit of truth is that lives with you and in you and through him we can come to know jesus better he will always point us to jesus pardon me in 2 corinthians 13 14 just make a note of it paul finishing his second letter to the church of corinth finishes with this in chapter uh chapter 13 verse 14 
the grace of the Lord Jesus and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. The communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. What does that mean? The communion, the fellowship, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. God desires for us to have fellowship with him through his spirit who indwells us, who is with us. My favorite song of the moment has got to be Josh Baldwin's song, The Evidence. Now, I know it's been around for a while, but I, I, I take time to move on from things, right? And I still love it. <clears throat> I love the song, Evidence. And, 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 and some of the lyrics go along the lines. He says, I see the evidence of your goodness all over my life. All over my life. I see the cross, the empty grave. The evidence is endless. The evidence of God's goodness is all over over our lives i see the cross look you know we, we don't we don't look to to songs to for our leading right we look to the scripture we look to the holy spirit but this brother got it right when he wrote his lyrics i see the cross at the empty grave where does he see the cross this is not here i don't see the cross here i don't see the, the grave here it's not empty here no where does he see it in the word in the word of god god has given us strong evidence he has given us his word his scriptures that we, we see the evidence in the scripture and we see the evidence in word, scripture-based evidence, experience. Let me say that again. <clears throat> we see the evidence in the scripture, in the word of God, and we see the evidence in word-based experience. We, we don't weigh up equally the word of God with our experiences. If, if you have a bad experience, I'm not going to weigh that up against what Jesus' promises are. No, we weigh our experiences. That they're always word-based. For, for example, we looked at um, Romans 8.35, didn't we? We said that the Spirit bears witness with our spirit that, that we are sons of God and therefore we cry, Abba, Father, right? So we have this, this sense, this knowing, this, this witness on the inside that, that, we, that we are sons of God. We, we know, we, how do we know we're saved? We just know we're saved on the inside. You just know you're saved. You, and it's, it's the witness. And, but it's not just a feeling, you know, that we say, well, well you know, I, I've got peace about it. I've, I've got peace that I can go and take myself a second wife or I can go and have that woman. But no, but she's married already. No, but I've got peace about it. No, it doesn't work like that. It's based on the Word of God. I, I, the Spirit of God bears witness with my spirit that I'm a son of God, and I can see it in the Scripture. I go back. I, I check out that, that, that feeling that I, that I believe I'm a son of God. I can see it in the Scriptures. It says, yes, Romans 8.35. Yes, it's the Spirit who, who's bearing witness. I hope that makes sense. That is a word-based experience. It's a word-based experience. You know, church, as, uh, as, as Debbie says, We've run out of time again, but uh, we have. But listen, listen, we need to walk by faith and not by sight. The Apostle Paul, as Sandy said the other day, wrote two thirds of the New Testament. And yet he never walked this earth physically with Jesus. But by the Spirit of God, he had these wonderful, some of the, the most incredible, the most wonderful revelation, the most wonderful relationship with God, the most wonderful understanding of God through the Spirit of God who indwelled him. The same spirit who indwells you. Church, there is a race that is set before us to run. Let us run it with endurance, looking unto Jesus. All of us, all of us need to have the right fuel, the right motivation, that relationship, that intimacy with God. And we need to keep our eyes on Jesus. And we will do that and we will finish strong. God bless you guys. You have a good week. 
And um, before you know it, it's going to be Sunday night again, and we will be talking on the next series. But uh, 